At RBC Wealth Management, they believe financial security begins by building a plan you can trust. Their financial advisors provide advice customized to your needs. So no matter where you are in life, you can depend on their expertise to help build a wealth plan that's right for you. Let them build your plan today. Call the Quigley Group at the Eau Claire office of RBC Wealth Management at 715-858-7788 to see how they can help. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Well, hello everyone. Talk of the Town is up and running in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk our final edition of the 2020 of the 2021 calendar year i was going to try to say 2020 well <laughs> there's aspects of it in the last uh, little while that obviously feel very much like uh, it is 2020 all over again with uh, cancellations and the like you and i know that we all know that here in the last uh, uh, few weeks and what have you but here we go. The end of 2021 and 2022 is right around the corner. And the, the, the fun addition, if you will, to what this program uh, will be going forward. Uh, the, the review, I got all messed up there for a moment there. Uh, review of 2021 in the Chippewa Valley, our last edition here in 2021 before we take a couple of weeks off and we're back the first week of January. So an opportunity for us to sort of rehash but also look back with a keen eye as to some of the big news stories and just the overall flavor of things in 2021 here in the Chippewa Valley. This used to be these end-of-the-year retrospectives. Used to be, well, one, something I looked, I looked forward to a lot growing up and watching on television. And two, used to be something that was ubiquitous. Well, I still love end-of-the-year retrospectives, a chance to see how far we've come and all of that. But you don't see them as much anymore. You don't see these end-of-the-year retrospectives. I know on New Year's Eve, I don't know if they'll do it again, but the last few years, NBC has put something together. However, you rarely even see radio shows look back. You don't see programs on television that look back as much. I don't know. Do, do, you, do you not like them? I like them. I like the opportunity to look back at the year that was. What were the highlights? You're reminded of a number of things. There are things that happened that you completely forget about and you go, oh, remember when that was a big deal? Ha, ha, ha. These retrospectives that look back the, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, CNN has made a cottage industry. If you look at CNN on Saturday nights and Sunday nights, they've got these the, the history of sitcoms and all of that. Those are nothing more than retrospectives. I like these end-of-the-year things. So we got, we got things to look back on 
here in the Chippewa Valley. Obviously, things that had a national lean melted into the area, and that's going to be something going forward as well. COVID remains very much a part of our daily lives. It just stays there. How we adapt to it, what impacts it has, all of that, that has evolved over time. But it remains a day-to-day issue. Even when it wasn't an issue, you could still hear the floorboards creaking over your head. You could hear it moving around in the attic. It was coming back. And that'll be a big part of at least the start of 2022 is COVID and all of the tentacles that are off of that. But there were other things that are truly 100% local that were issues. And let's get right into it here. They look back at the year that uh, that was for the Chippewa Valley. And, and we'll start off with this. And this is something that I think we all have to acknowledge. A year ago at this time, there was a great amount of optimism. Remember, numbers were terrible. We were going through arguably the worst wave at that time. But there were vaccinations. There was a lot of optimism that things would be, quote-unquote, normal, free. By the time we got to the summer or the fall, a lot of people were looking ahead to the fall or even right about this time is when we we truly would be free. So there was a lot of optimism over events and what have you. When we look here in the area, there was a lot of excitement for the reawakening in 2021. And I think it became kind of a blunted, great awakening. I think we had things return. But you have mixed results as to the popularity of things returning in town. Case in point... uh, I remember we had on uh, Kathy Wright from Country Jam. She was on one of our podcasts. We had her on in late February. And she talked about all of the things that Country Jam was going to do to try to have, you know, social distancing and limiting things and this and that and all of that. And that was one of a number of events that was planning on doing things. By the time we hit May, people pretty much thought, all right, you know, enough of any type of restrictions and people were off off to the races, if you will. Well, you saw the music festivals in the Chippewa Valley, for the most part, do good. The caveat to that being a lot of those tickets had been sold the previous year. But the music festivals were mostly full. Attendance was pretty much right about average as to what it usually is. Some of it could have been because People just rolled over tickets, so it wasn't necessarily people buying new tickets. But still, the music festivals did okay. The Oakland Express baseball team did not. They had capacity limits at the ballpark this summer. And even with that, a lot of crowds did not come close to hitting those capacity limits. They did not draw well this summer did the Eau Claire Express. On the other hand, the Northern Wisconsin State Fair had its best year ever. So you had up and down in the summer. And overall, 
various little festivals, various gatherings of people. It was hit or miss as to some that did exceptionally well, some that were kind of average, and some maybe that were a little behind their pre-pandemic numbers. And then as we've come into the fall and into now the winter season, the Pablo Center, and this is all anecdotal I'm hearing from the Pablo Center because I have not been to a show inside of there this year, and they don't, re- they don't release attendance figures. They don't have to. But even Jason John Anderson himself on a recent podcast admitted it. Attendance at Pablo Center shows, by and large, has not been great this year. There are some shows that have done very bad. Now, there's a few that have done very good. The Broadway show Waitress, when that came to town, that did exceptionally well. Charlie Barron's. I mean, if, if they announced a show tonight for Charlie Barron's, it would sell out in five minutes. So those did well, but there's been other shows that have not done well at the Pablo Center. So, as we look back at 2021 in terms of people getting out and doing things, wasn't quite the great awakening that we all thought it would be, but there were highlights, that is for sure. You know, continuing along that way, we look back to last spring, you had the vaccination push in the Chippewa Valley. And I think back to really late February through March into April, that's when this area had the bulk of its vaccinations. That's when you were getting a lot of those mass vaccination sites. People were hustling to get in line for the mass vaccination sites, present company included. I remember going to Memorial High School. I had the the J&J people in line were all excited it was a Saturday afternoon you'd go in we got you know there was kind of a celebratory atmosphere it was sort of a throwback to when people would wait in line for concert tickets in the 80s and the 90s you'd go in and you got shot in the arm and they gave you a cookie and a and a a sticker and you felt proud to throw it on your chest there was excitement over the vaccination and it played into what we all thought would be a very... Well, let's be honest. We all thought it was over at that point. A lot of us thought it was over. We, we looked forward to being able to do things again and things would reopen and, and there would be a freedom. I think that's the key thing. There would be a freedom. So, obviously a national issue, but locally, in the spring, this area was, like everybody else, a lot of excitement. Even for those who never did get vaccinated, you were excited when the mass vaccination sites came, because even though you weren't going to get vaccinated, you saw that too as a sign that things were going to reopen. And we can go into a whole other debate that we reopen too soon and blah, 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 and all that. That's not what this program is about. But the mass vaccination sites, February, March, April, clearly were one of the highlights not necessarily good or bad. You know, I obviously looked at it from a good standpoint, but I say highlight is in the terms of it's something that clearly was a talk of the town earlier on in this year. Staying along those lines here. Well, we're going to talk about this first. Uh, we talk about great hype, great expectations, moving off of COVID for a moment. The new high V on Claremont Ave. You saw that being built for a couple of years. That ended 
a couple of dueling water cooler talks in the area. One, when was Hy-Vee going to come to the area? That been talked about for years. And two, what was going to happen to the old Kmart site, which had become a, a, a legitimate eyesore in a very visible part of town for travelers. Well, all that got taken care of. The high V goes up. The high V opens in October. I love the high V. That's where the, the, the Montesano shop. I love the high V. Remember it when we were down in Iowa? I love it. I look at it as a food mall. It doesn't seem to be as busy as I thought it would be, but it's still getting enough traffic, I think. Outstanding is that high V. And it brings a certain level of commerce to the area think about it. they they that is that was just their second store of that concept they've opened and they did it right here i think that's cool i think it's cool to have that food mall concept there are things in there that still scratch my head they've got that starbucks there but the the carts don't have a place to put your cup that seems for the, for the millions of dollars they've gotten, they spend on marketing and research, that the 24-year-old in their offices in Des Moines, Iowa, couldn't figure out that you probably want to have a cup holder. Worth, I mean, it's, it's counterproductive. The other thing is they've got like 220 people at the bakery department, but you're lucky if you have one person at the deli counter to help you out. That terrible deli counter. At Hy-Vee. Everything else there is well-staffed, well-taken-care-of, top-of-the-line. The deli counter, terrible. And if you want to go and you get the bags of the deli meat, it's, it's, the, it's the wettest meat you'll ever find. You could, you could take those slices of turkey and chicken, wring them out, and you'd fill a lake. I have no idea why the Hy-Vee Deli is... It's almost like they built the thing. We've all been through this before. They built the thing and they went, oh, Christmas, where are we going to put the deli? Something in their research said that you and I don't like deli counters. I have no idea. They've got 120 people at that bakery department. Great bakery department. Outstanding butcher shop. I know we got local butchers and what have you. I know it's not the the... The, the hipster thing to, to, to say. It's a pretty darn good meat department at uh, Hy-Vee. Outstanding meat department, by the way. With people that know meat, just like the people that are at the, the local places. And remember, it's local people that are working at Hy-Vee. So the, either way, Hy-Vee opened up. I think that was a big deal in this area because it, it, it fixed an eyesore. It put a beautiful building up. Jobs, all that sort of thing. So the high V. Continuing on in 2021, obviously she remains very much a power player in this area. And that is Lisa Gizzi. She is not very visible publicly, but she remain but she continues to be a powerful player behind the scenes. We remember the story back in October. That was the one that we could go forward with and publicly talk about 
amongst a series of off-the-record ones we've been told and continue to be told. But remember the story of the, of the, of the girl, the student at Memorial, and, and, and uh, defied quarantining and what have you. And, and, and her and her mom were itching for a fight to bring to to they they were going to serve as martyrs let's 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 say it for what it is they they did what they did on purpose to get attention to draw attention to something which i give them credit for but you had Lisa Gizzi and what could best be described as her own personal gestapo pressuring the school district and and, and it brought to light how schools are being pressured by Lisa Gizzi's department and all of that sort of thing how this is the one city and the one county that has probably the most amount of restrictions in the state, Dane County included, down in Madison. Think about that. That the schools in this area are under such scrutiny from Lisa Gizzi's office that they're pulling out their hair with restrictions that other school districts do not have to face and all of that. Lisa Gizzi remains every bit a power player in this area and was every bit in the news even if she wasn't as visible as she was in the previous year. What I think we saw this year was somebody that, much like a virus, is trying to mutate to stay in power. I remember back in the summertime, those of you who are avid followers of the program and you should be i said when when we had a lull in the pandemic remember when we began this year we were still on this program still kind of pro lisa geezy like hey it's a tough position you're in there's not a lot of good things you know a lot of a lot of good news you can give and all that by the time we got to the middle of the summer and we'd gotten through that first vaccination push i remember saying and there were remember there were starting to be really some more rumblings here of, of her really starting to overstretch her her reach and really starting to annoy people that had been in her camp. And we said, hey, now is the time to step away. Step away. You, you serve the public. Step away. Resign. Go off. She didn't do it. And now we see why. She wants it. It's a power, it's a power play for Lisa Gizzi. And she refuses to talk publicly, and no media outlet really holds her accountable. She won't come on our program, hides behind like a 21-year-old communications person who doesn't know really how to do PR handling anyway, as they completely goofed up on that situation back in October. She won't grant interviews with anything that would be anything more than a softball interview to her. Lisa Gizzi remains every bit a power player in this area. Speaking of power players in the area, 2021 did not see the city of Eau Claire fill its empty managerial position. The city of Eau Claire went a second year, well, another year and a half since Dale Peters finally did leave after he elongated his stay, delayed his retirement. We've now gone a year and a half with 
just an interim city manager, Dave Solberg, who by all accounts has been doing a fine job. But you got to remember with an interim title, that is pretty much just means you're, you're keeping the wheel turning. You can't make major decisions. You can't discipline. Not that you, know, you need a bunch of discipline, but you can't discipline. You can't hire. You can't fire. You can't do things like that when you are interim. You are just there to keep things going, to bridge to the next person. And Dave Solber doesn't appear to be a candidate, wasn't a candidate in the last one, doesn't appear to be a candidate in this next round as they look for the city managerial position. By all accounts, looks like he's done a good job, but everything we're hearing, he has no interest at all in the position full-time, and that's his right. Because I would tell you right at this point, if he'd wanted it, Give it to him. But we still do not have a city manager city manager in Eau Claire. And back in the spring, that was a that was a black eye for our area. What happened? They did the search, came up with three people that they had as finalists, one being Catherine Schaff, and we'll talk about her in just a moment. You had the gentleman from Mequon, Wisconsin, who was so ex- who really wanted the job and did a good sales job for it in that he talked about how he came up and visited Eau Claire, you know, off interview time. He brought his wife up. They went to church. He talked about driving around and they had the gentleman from Iowa and they went with the gentleman from Iowa who promptly turned them down on the spot and took a job in the Carolinas. Did not look good for our area and then you start hearing afterwards they really weren't happy with any of the three candidates. Hence the reason they didn't offer it to, they didn't really have any number two. They barely had a number one. Looking ahead to 2022, we get one more shot at hiring a city manager. This is going to be a big hire. Now, our city has spent a lot on consultants and, 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 and search firms and all of that. We get one shot at this again. And if we get mediocre or what's deemed to be mediocre candidates and or whoever gets the position either turns it down again or they accept the job but they're in and out in a year or two and it's a it's a mess they're they're terrible at it that you're going to start hearing there's always been this rumbling in town of should we consider a mayoral search should we consider a mayoral position and switch to a mayoral form of government. This gets goofed up again. There's going to be a window of opportunity for those individuals to really start to get the ear of a lot of people in town. So that's something to look forward to or look out for in 2022. I'm not saying we want to see this city managerial search blow up in our face again. Would not be good. But if it does... Those of you out there that have been pushing for a mayoral system or to at least start having that discussion more, there will be that window of opportunity. Uh, Sonnentag is happening. One of the the end-of-the-year things that popped up there. Sonnentag is happening. That's going to be great for the area. I mean, that's more of a 2022 to 2024 story, but... 
again, keeps the momentum of, of good news happening in the area. You think back to dining changes in the area. Some restaurants opened, some restaurants closed, what have you. There really wasn't any huge shift in that category. By the way, Mancino's has reopened off of Brackett Avenue. I know people are excited about that. But I think the biggest thing we saw in local dining this year is, yes, you've had the, the staffing issues, the story of the robot at Shanghai Bistro. But I think dining patterns and what we expect has changed. Now, I don't see nearly as many you know, delivery service cars out as I saw during the pandemic. That's something that has not kept up. And there's a couple things with that, by the way. Uh, you know, things like DoorDash and each street and all that. They, they've got, they've, a couple things have happened to those services. One is the restaurant industry itself is not necessarily fans of them uh, because, you know, and, and, and you know, everybody knows somebody that's had multiple orders goofed up and they themselves have had orders goofed up. So you're, start, you're not seeing as many of those out there. People, when they want to eat in this area, in this area, go and get it themselves. Either go to the restaurant to pick it up for carryout or go and dine in. Well, regardless of any of that, the biggest thing I saw change in local dining this year is what we expect in terms of what is a full house and hours. It's not un- you know, when you go out to eat, you half expect to either the place is going to be closed unexpectedly for any number of reasons, either they don't have food, they, they didn't get their their supplies in or they don't have staff so you're 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 kind of not expecting it but you're you're you know that's a possibility so you have that the other thing is you know that when you show up even if there's not a lot of cars in the lot that they may only be operating at a quarter percent capacity or a half capacity that evening and when you walk in if there's a wait of 15 minutes but you look and you see half the building's empty, you know why. We have, I think, learned that that is the way it's going to be, maybe going forward for a while. There are, there are some places that fill to the brim. There are some places that have not seen that, many, that much change. And one could argue that maybe the places that have seen change, the pandemic just brought to light other issues they had and that's truthful too uh downtown changes oh boy a lot of cranes up in downtown buildings going up biggest flurry of building we've had downtown since this redevelopment this rebirth of downtown began a decade ago it's amazing to see what it's all going to be Will we fill the commercial spaces? That's something to keep an eye on there. Haymarket remains empty. I know Aaron White and the people at, the, at City Hall have directed potential developers to those people that run Haymarket. Haymarket remains empty. There's more commercial space going downtown. You know that the apartments will fill up. You hope that the commercial space fills up as well. 
regardless, a lot of energy, a lot of rebirth, all those types of things. There's still some areas of downtown that could use a refreshing. What's going to happen to the state theater? There have been plans and things talked about and all that, but still, and I got a tour of the state theater about two months ago. That place needs a lot of work. It's not just going to happen. There's so much potential. Place has got good bones, as they'd like to say. But one could argue you've got somebody just squatting on the property at the moment who's waiting for some, who's got the property and hoping somebody else will come in and, 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 and spend the money that he, as the, as the owner of the property, should be doing. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But we'll have the Children's Museum opening up, all that. In town, that'll be good. Looking back at this year, schools reopened. Schools reopened. Uh, schools are going to the class five days a week now. We started to see it tip over in the springtime. This is the thing, and I wanted to read this right from some right from the blog I put out on on Friday. Every district handled COVID differently in the last year. All have their wins. All have their losses. Every school district. There's no school district that's done it perfectly right. And you're going to say, oh, I know. No, no, no. No district has done everything 100% right. What we should take away from the complexities of all of these school decisions is that everyone is trying their best. All of these schools have been trying their best. Many people cherry pick the policies they like and dislike and they grade the districts based on that. Local cases got closure this year. Rennell Laffey and the Hope in the Valley. That got closure this year. Obviously the Daniel Peggs sentencing. And then you had Joe Luganbill. And that one's an intriguing one because with Joe Luganbill screwed over a lot of people in this area. Obviously, the Eau Claire Police Department, we remember the story, found what they felt to be ample evidence that he should be charged. And the new district attorney in Eau Claire, I remember that story from the summertime, the new district attorney in Eau Claire decided to pass on filing charges. Now, that's something to keep in mind when we bring up something here in a moment but that'll be intriguing to you. but they, it's intriguing doesn't mean that somebody's on the take doesn't mean somebody's made a mistake or anything but it does sort of as I said at the time kind of raise your ears up open your eyes just a little bit because you want to look at how things progress going forward with decisions out of that district attorney's office it's not uncommon for the police to bring forth evidence and for a prosecutor to pass because maybe they don't think they can get the conviction, maybe they just don't think it's worth it, any number of things. It does not mean somebody's been bought off, doesn't mean that uh, somebody's on the take, doesn't mean that somebody is incompetent. It happens all the time. This just being very, very public. Now, that being said, it brings us into another story that got moved forward this year we expect it to take a huge jump one way or another in 2022 and that is the county dhs 
This last fall, Sheriff Ron Kramer's office came out and said pretty much they're, 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 they're diving headfirst into this, that they have lots of suspicions. Clearly, they are finding some things that are intriguing to them in this DHS. Meanwhile, you got Catherine Schoff and Nick Smear at the county level that are defending the DHS, basically trying to run smear campaigns against anybody that dare question what the DHS does. They have openly questioned Sheriff Ron Kramer. They have openly tried to shield the DHS. They have tried to run a sort of wag-the-dog public relations campaign to highlight all the good the DHS does, which the DHS does. But that's something we got in 2021. The fact that the DHS story, uh, it, 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 there, there still may be something there. And it's all setting up for perhaps some bombshells in 2022. The thing with the, D, with the district attorney, we talked about this in the last story, is when Sheriff Ron Kramer's office comes forth, and they expect to sometime in the summertime come forth with what they have found from the DHS. If they come forth and have found, there's any number of gray area, but let's say they, they find a lot. Then if you see the district attorney and, and, and what have you, they, they kind of pass on prosecuting and all of that. Well, then maybe we, we go back to the Joe Luganbill saga and we see if there's patterns there. But as we, turn, as we flip the counter to 2022, the thing to think of with the DHS is this. In 2021, the sides were Firmly, the teams were firmly determined. Sheriff Ron Kramer and a lot of you on one side. Something smells fishy. They look guilty. They, if, if, if for nothing else, they look guilty at the DHS. Even if they're innocent, which they very well could be, they look guilty. So you're over here. On the other side, you've got the DHS. And you've got Nick Smear, and you've got uh, Catherine Schaaf, and you've got Diane Cable. If in 2022, what's been established now, if in 2022, the sheriff's office does not find anything that was significant criminal activity, a lot of people owe the DHS a huge apology. Conversely, if in 2022 a lot of stuff is found, Schaff, Smyre, Cable, their necks are out there. And they will be and should be heavily criticized. 2021 is when that story had air blown into the fire. Fire didn't simmer at all. That fire is raging right now. And in 2022, that may very well become, especially as 2022 moves into the second half of it, that could very well be the talk of the town. 
that DHS story. So that's sort of our look back at the year that was in the Chippewa Valley. Obviously, everybody's got their own individual things that happen, and I hope a lot of great things happen to you. We, we tend to touch on some of the negative stuff. There's always these good things. You know, the marathon came back, all right? You, you had in-person graduations. A lot of people were able to have weddings this year. A lot of businesses opened this year. There's so much good that happened this year. And even as the year comes to an end and there's this fog of negativity with the Omicron variant and all of that, there's still so much to celebrate. And I hope all of you get a chance to celebrate in the next two weeks. Take stock of what you have. Don't worry about what you don't have. Take stock of what you have. Smile. You say, Scott, I got no reason to smile. Smile. You're breathing, right? I know it sounds so trite to say. Smile. Have a good time. And we'll be back again in 2022. All new editions of the program starting the first week of January. We'll see what a new year brings forward to all of us. On behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Montesano saying there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until 2022, so long, everybody.